On today's show, I'm breaking down Glenn Otto and Dane Dunning's seasons. How well did they do in their first full, extended, unencumbered season as starters? And should either or both of them be starting pitchers in the Rangers rotation next year? All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 26th. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment any single thing below. So in today's show, we are continuing our series of breaking down positional reviews. Today, we're doing the middle of the Rangers starting rotation, aka Dane Dunning and Glenn Otto, the number three and number four for this Texas Rangers squad all year. Now, if you go by innings, they are the number two and three because John Gray got injured and missed more time than both of these players. But for for a playoff state, if... if for, by some miracle, this Rangers team in 2022 made a playoff spot. Uh, the, the rotation would most definitely be Martin Perez, John Gray, and then Dane Dunning and Glenn Otto in that order, I'm guessing. But both had, honestly, fairly solid seasons for what the expectations were. Dane Dunning finished with a 446 ERA in 29 starts, a 153 innings, which was a career high at the major league level, had 62 walks, 20 home runs allowed, and 137 strikeouts. For Glenn Otto, he made 27 starts with a 464 ERA, 135 and two-thirds innings, 107 strikeouts, 62 walks, and 21 home runs allowed. Now, this is not exactly what the Rangers thought would be the middle of the rotation. Well, I guess Dane Dunning was probably expected to be the number three and was for the rest of the season. But I think that was the point, the the flaw in the Rangers' plan heading into the season. If ownership expected this team to compete for the playoffs, the lineup maybe, maybe was that of a contender. Maybe it could have made it through bullpen. You could have squinted your eyes and said, yeah, with the pieces that are coming back, I could I could see how if some things broke their way, then maybe. But the starting rotation, it was like, okay, Martin Perez and John Gray are the only ones that have thrown more than 150 innings in a major league season this year. And, well, Martin Perez was one of two Rangers that did that this year. Dane Dunning cleared that 150-inning mark, did miss a little bit of time at the All-Star break um, with a little bit of an injury, some good timing if there is good timing for an injury so that part of his rehab was done when there were no games so he wasn't missing as many games as he could have but this is about what's expected from Dane Dunning nothing too spectacular a big sinker slider guy get a lot of weak contact not a whole lot of strikeouts um, but found a new edge to his slider with that sweeper the different kind of slider that moves more um, horizontally 
as opposed to more vertically. And I think it it paid off pretty well for him this year. The overall numbers aren't quite as great as last year. He was a little more limited because he was still working his way back from Tommy John surgery. He wasn't completely fully 100% himself last year. He had a uh, slightly lower ERA this year, but more innings and um, a little bit fewer strikeouts and a little bit more walks and home runs. So that is kind of the basic deal with Dane Dunning. After this year, I wasn't quite sure after last year because, you know, the the reins were, were still on the training wheels, so to speak. He wasn't fully allowed to just go out and shove uh, at the highest possible level and just with absolutely no restraints. But he showed some moments last year. This year kind of solidified, all right, this is the this is what you want from a number five in your rotation. Pretty much every time out, they're going to give you about five innings. They're not going to be too many blow-up starts, but there are going to be some because that's what's expected. And every once in a while, he'll go out there and give you an absolute gem. Not every other start, not every, like, third, maybe every, like, sixth or, or seventh start so to speak. But he had a couple of those gems this year where he went seven innings or so. Um, the One of my favorite, personal favorite games from him was the seven and two-thirds innings of one-run ball that he pitched against Atlanta on April 30th. He was fantastic then, didn't walk a single batter, had seven strikeouts, just four hits, and one run that was earned through 98 pitches in that start was absolutely fantastic. Had a, another start where he went seven innings and just allowed two runs to Seattle, um, I believe both those came off of the home run and had seven strikeouts in that game, which I believe both of those... Uh, okay, no, he did have one start with eight strikeouts. His final start of the season, which was against the Angels, went five innings, allowed just two runs, and eight strikeouts. It's very, very strikeout-happy then. A little more strikeouts than I, I thought he would have this year. Um, again, he's not a big strikeout guy, but last year he had 8.7 strikeouts per nine. This year he had eight. Still a little bit more, and I think he might have been trying to do that a little bit too much, but at times the command deserted him, and that got me a little bit frustrated and uh, a little bit worried about his ability to stay as a starter long term because his raw stuff is not anything that's overpowering. It's like, all right, well, if this guy can't stick as a starter, he's not making his hitting his spots as much. That's that's not a that's not a big leaguer. That's a little bit worrisome. Glenn Otto is a guy who I think his stuff will tick up quite a bit if you put him in the pen, which uh, it might end up being where I land, depending on how, how well I sell myself even during this own episode uh, about Glenn Otto. But Otto was not expected to be in the rotation this year. He was probably the Rangers' sixth, maybe seventh choice as a starter going into the year. I, I, I'd probably say six. So they had uh, Taylor Hearn, who did not work out. Um, they also had another guy, old Spencer Howard, who did not work out in the rotation. And I thought one of those guys was surely going to stick in the rotation, at least as like a number four starter. Nope, nope, nope. Neither of them really stuck as a starter. I think the... Uh, I think the experiment with Taylor Hearn is pretty much over as a starter, but I think they're still going to commit to Spencer Howard for some reason as a starter, even though his numbers were objectively far worse than Taylor Hearn's. But, you know, you live, laugh, love, and you learn. But Glenn Otto stepped up in a big situation, was able to be very, very helpful for the Rangers. Giving him those 135 and two-thirds inning this year was absolutely massive. Granted, it wasn't the most dominating performance from him all season, but it was... It was capable, and it it kept the Rangers from having to go and go for somebody like a Dallas Keuchel until they did. Um, it kept them from having to, 
you know, get incredibly desperate. Thankfully, he was mostly fairly healthy. He did have a, I believe, at least one IL trip this season. But for the most part, he could be counted on for, you know, four, maybe five innings. And for the Rangers this year, they really, really needed that. That had a whole, whole lot of value. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the uh, poor things that these guys did this season, some areas where they could improve, and a little bit of a look ahead of what to expect from them next year. But first, this is brought to you by Simply Safe. As everybody knows, athletes rise and fall in the ranks, but when it comes to saving money, Simply Safe always stays on top. And right now, you can save big with Simply Safe Home Security. They're giving listeners 40% off their advanced security system. Simply Safe is just named the best home security of 2022 by US News. I love it. You'll love it too because Simply Safe in Simply Safe at Simply Safe your security is the only thing that matters. With 24% 24/7 professional monitoring when a threat is detected simply safe monitoring professionals will promptly contact you and dispatch first responder to your home even if you're away or unable to respond with 24/7 professional monitoring it costs under $1 a day that's less than half the cost of ADT's professional uh, in- installation plans you know our monitoring experts use proprietary technology to visually confirm a break in is real so you can get quickly get highest priority dispatch from police. Don't miss this chance to save big to protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Customize the perfect system for your home just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. Go today because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, one thing that wasn't really safe when these pitchers were pitching was uh, the leap. Uh, this was especially for Dane Dunning on the road. He still does not have a winning decision on the road in his major league career. I think, at least with Texas in his two seasons there, he might have had one in uh, in his, his short stint in the big leagues with Chicago in 2020. But with the Rangers, he was just absolutely really, really poor on the road. It was kind of kind of insane, honestly. It was just one of those things that was never just like one thing. It's like, all right, on the road, he give up a bunch of like home runs or whatever. Like, no, it was just, just one of those freaking things uh, on the road. He had a 562 ERA in 13 starts, uh, 65 and two thirds innings, 29 walks to 58 strikeouts and eight home runs and was Oh, and six at home. If you care about these win and loss splits, which I think are kind of overrated, but he went four and two at home with a 3.59 ERA in 16 starts, 87 and two thirds innings, 86 strikeouts. That was 8.8 strikeouts per nine at home versus seven on the road. Um, fewer fewer walks per nine at home versus on the road. I think the home runs are right about even. But still, just kind of weird, wild, and wacky stuff from the first half to the second half. His numbers were fairly similar. Didn't pitch quite as many innings. But again, that was because his injury happened right as the first half was ending. 11 starts in the second half. And it was just, all his numbers were just incredibly similar. Strikeouts, um, strikeouts for nine, walks, uh, ERA, pretty much everything was was fairly similar. So that was, that was nice to see and comforting to know that it wasn't just like, all right, at the end of the season, he completely fell off. I mean, granted, his last four starts the last month, that was a lot worse. And the month of August was where everything was going 
pretty, pretty well for him. He averaged over five innings per start in that month of August with a 362 ERA, which was his lowest for any month of the season. He had three different months with an ERA below four. That was in June. He had a 374 ERA then. He had a 381 ERA in April and March and um, an ERA of six and a half in the month of September and October. It also wasn't great in the month of July, but I, I'm really giving that to the fact that he was still coming back from injury and figuring out, um, you know, getting fully, fully rehabilitated in that because I don't think he was allowed to, you know, rehab for as long as he probably should have because the Rangers, again, were so, so thin because of the failures in the number four and five spots in the rotation that forced Glenn Otto into this rotation. But Otto, I, I really give a lot of credit to. I was was fairly harsh about him last year. He showed his moments. His his slider is absolutely incredible. Everything else, meh, kind of meh, kind of meh. He had a lot more velocity on his fastball in the minors before he started going a little bit deeper into games. He took some velo off of it to go deeper. And this year, he, he last year, I felt like every start was like three, maybe four innings for him. This year, he had a few more go six innings. He never went more than six innings. His final two starts of the season, he went six innings exactly against the Yankees and against the Angels. He also went six against Miami at Miami, which was a big, big win for the Rangers just getting six innings out of him in that doubleheader because that was when the rotation was most definitely at its most dire point in the season. But five or more, more than five innings in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, uh, four of his last five starts. He did go a three and a third in a pretty rough outing and loss to the Tampa Bay Rays on September 18th. But for the most part in that back half, things got, uh, things got a lot better and he went fairly deep into those games. And I think that blow up start really kind of soiled the better ERA that he had at that point. But I, I think maybe he can be a capable number five, but the Rangers kind of already have one that's more durable that I think can be depended on a little bit more, has a little bit bigger of a repertoire. But if, if Dane Dunning's walk problems continue for a guy who is all about command control, you know, throw exactly where you mean to because his fastball velocity is, you know, in the bottom six percentile of all of baseball, the spin rate being really low as a sinker baller is very good. It's in the 10th percentile, but some of the only things that he did really well was, uh, was extension. He get really far down the mound, same with Glenn Otto, but the average exit velocity and the chase rate, those are pretty good outside of that. Everything else was pretty much in the blue for him on his baseball savant page. So he was getting guys to chase, but that wasn't leading to a high strikeout rate. And he was also walking a whole lot more. So I think he needs to stay more in the zone, get better at throwing quality strikes next year, Dane Dunning, um, and, and not focus too much on those strikeouts because he doesn't have strikeout stuff and that's okay. The slider was improved this year with getting some more swings and misses and, you know, I, I like that he added that second version of it. The changeup and cutter are fine. He doesn't really have anything else besides that. Doesn't use a four-seamer a whole lot. Like, really, really not a lot. Literally three pitches this year. That's how little he used his four-seamer. Um, but still... I think he needs to get better and focus more on throwing quality strikes as opposed to trying to get hitters to chase out of the zone. Glenn Otto, I think, I, I again, want to really applaud him for the work he did this year. But I think him moving to the bullpen as a back-end guy, letting that fastball velo eat, go back up into the upper 90s and pair that 
He's already got some some half decent spin rates on his fastball. Like it's it's fine. It's in around the middle half of uh, Major League Baseball, fifty second percentile. But if he lets that just go on up into the upper nineties, where I think it could be if he was a one inning outing reliever, not a multi inning guy, not a starter then I think that spin rate is going to go up as well with the velocity and going to make that slider even more devastating. He wouldn't have to worry too much about the curveball or the changeup. He can still throw those every once in a while. It'd be a, a relief pitcher who has four pitches. That's a rare thing and could be very, very effective. But still, I think if you just let that fastball eat in the upper 90s, he could be an incredibly solid reliever. Coming up, we're going to look at what to expect from Dane Dunning next year, um, what it would take to bring Glenn Otto in the rotation next year, and maybe something else as well. First, let's word from our sponsors. Now, like I said, Dane Dunning has pretty much solidified himself as a number five starter on this team. I think if the Rangers don't get... Don't re-sign Martin Perez. They're going to have to bring in three starting pitchers because as we're looking at this rotation, where it stands right at this moment, assuming that Martin Perez is back, it is, like I said, Martin Perez, then John Gray, then Dane Dunning. And as much as I like Dane Dunning, I think he's done a solid job, done the things that the Rangers have asked him to do, stayed mostly fairly healthy, pitched through some things at the end of the season that uh, he had to get surgery and his season ended a little bit quick, more quickly. But still, I got to give him a huge, huge applause, huge effort um, for effort and pitching through those injuries because the Rangers just did not have anything else left in the rotation. I mean, we saw we saw the things that they tried to just get this rotation, get this team over the hump and like out of this season because the back half was just so rough on the starting pitching. I mean, you take him away and, and we saw the last few trips through the rotation, it was really, really rough. They they tried Kohei Hara, very much didn't work. Dallas Keuchel, very much didn't work. There was not a whole lot else that they could try and not a whole lot of people in AAA that were really ready to come up. I mean, I really don't know what they would have done if they needed one more start from one other person because it was just in such a rough place. But I think you got to slot Dane Dunning in as your number five starter next year. There's going to be definitely a competition. I think Glenn Otto is going to be given the opportunity to fight for that starting rotation because their numbers weren't that far off in terms of the results. There's a lot more walks and a lot fewer strikeouts and a few more home runs from Glenn Otto. But I do think that he he deserved a shot at a look. I just think eventually the back end of the rotation or back end of the bullpen is going to be where he ends up. And that's not a bad thing. Cause I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic if the Rangers decide to go do that. And there's going to be some competition uh, from a few guys like mainly Cole Reagans, I think is the main one that's going to be competing for that fifth slot. Reagans had a fine season, some mixed numbers, the, some real issues with throwing strikes. It's just, Oh my gosh, this rotation and not throwing strikes drove me absolutely up a wall, which is why I appreciated John Gray so much, because he was not a guy who walked a whole lot of hitters fewer than three walks per nine, the only starter in this Rangers rotation with fewer than three walks per nine, but just went at hitters. And I think Dane Dunning could do a whole lot better if he was focusing on going at hitters and not trying to be something he's not. Knowing who you are as a big leaguer is a very, very valuable thing. Martin Perez was not a guy who chased strikeouts. He could be a 
a right-handed version of Martin Perez. Like, ideally, that's kind of what he is. He doesn't have nearly as good a changeup. But in terms of just the approach of, like, I've got half-decent stuff. I'm going to just go and attack these hitters and let them get themselves out. That was pretty much the difference for Martin Perez and just trusting his stuff. I mean, Dane Dunning wasn't, you know, projected to be as as highly rated a prospect as Martin Perez was coming up. But still, like, the idea works just going at these guys if you get beat by the long, the long ball occasionally you get beat 1.2 homers per nine is not that bad especially for a guy who's going to be your number five starter nobody really allowed the long ball at that like ridiculously high rate maybe my my perception of what is okay is has been warped because the rangers had two starters and uh, jordan lyles and mike fulte nevich the year uh in 2021 that just allowed 18 bazillion homers that kind of warped my perception for for what is an okay amount of homers to give up because if it's less than them which are both at around like two or 2.4 homers per nine they're like hey you're doing fine if it's under one and a half you're doing fine and that's what glenn otto and dane dunning both did again I think both these guys are competing for literally one spot in rotation that needs some huge, huge upgrades. And just because they didn't live up to being like a, a traditional number three starter, uh, Dane Dunning, that is, then it doesn't mean that he's bad. It doesn't mean that he is invaluable and should be absolutely trash because he he did what, what you expected him to do. This is about what was expected from Dane Dunning. Solid. 150 innings. Great. Would it be nice if he's healthy all season next year? and doesn't have a couple of different injuries that land him on the aisle and cut his season short, yeah, that'd be great. But, I mean, when he was healthy, they did his job. He ate some innings and kept the bullpen from having to be insanely overworked as opposed to just mostly overworked, which they were this season. But Glenado, again, stepping up as the seventh probably choice in the Rangers' starting rotation and going and eating 135 innings, that has some value. And I really think the Rangers... Did a, did a great job letting him eat and helping him develop to be, you know, more than serviceable towards the back end of the year. He showed some promise. There have been some starts where he has done fairly well. He hasn't had any of those hugely great games like Dane Dunning has had, like the, that seven and two-thirds innings um, against Atlanta. But still, he's had his moments where it's was like, eh, maybe this guy could work at the back end of a rotation. But you can't have a rotation mostly built out of back end. Guys, that is not the recipe for success as I call it. And, you know, with Bruce Bochy and the just very clear, we got to make the playoffs in 2023 by ownership. You can't have two of these guys in your starting rotation next year. I think Dane Dunning is going to be the one that ends up winning that job. Maybe we get to see a little bit more of the Cole Reagans we have seen in the minors, a guy who is more aggressive and can find the strike zone and not be so timid against hitters, which is something that was a bit of a problem for him. Um, but again, I I think out of camp, it is definitely going to be the Dane Dunning show and, you know, having the depth of a Glenn Otto if, God forbid, the Rangers do sign some starting pitcher and that great starting pitcher ends up getting hurt or somebody else in the rotation getting, it ends up getting hurt. Glenn Otto as your, as your sixth or seventh starting pitching option because you probably need to be at least six or seven deep of, like, capable guys. That is something that, again... 
is valuable to have and necessary for a team that is hoping to make the playoffs in 2023. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Rangers. Thank you all so much for listening on tomorrow's show. I'm going to have a crossover with Ben Kaspik of Locked on Giants to talk about Bruce Bochy, what the Rangers should expect from the future Hall of Famer. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked on Sports today from the games that matter with the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.